Welcome to The Inquisitive Tourist. My name is Nate Ralph and thank you for joining me. For those of you already listening, a warm welcome back. And if this is your first time, welcome to an ever-growing community of listeners worldwide. We're now in 82 countries. If I could ask you to leave us a review on the podcast platform you use, it would be really appreciated as that's how the show appears to other people. Or if you could share today's episode with just one friend, that would be really awesome. Now, group trips are often some of the most memorable, but as we get older, sometimes the options of travel buddies get smaller and smaller depending on our circumstances. But whatever age group we may be in, the reality is that group travel offers a fantastic way of doing things. Today's guest runs trips to a variety of countries, ranging from Turkey to Colombia. Her name is Laura Erickson, and she runs her own group tours. Let's meet her. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Laura. So where are we speaking to you today from? Where are you based? <laughs> I am based out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, when I'm not traveling. So that's my home base. Okay. And uh, you say when you're not traveling. So how much of your year is traveling and how much is not? <laughs> oh, it really depends on the year. I mean, this next two months, starting next week, I will be gone 50% of the time. Mm. Um, but I'd say like anywhere from 25 to 50%. Wow, that's quite a bit, isn't it? depends. Yeah, it's a lot, especially right now. Um, 25 is good for me. 50 is a lot for me. I don't want to be like full-time digital nomad. No, no. I like having a house. Yes, yeah. So you can still kind of like maintain your own roots where your house is and you're you're still sort of connected to your local neighborhood and so on. Are you known there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of, it's kind of best of both worlds because you get to travel as much as you want, but you also have you know, a place to come back to. And I have dogs and yeah, I live like a very normal life when I'm home. And when you're traveling then, what happens to your dogs? I mean, they just get given to relatives or <laughs> friends. <laughs> do you take them with you on your group tours? <laughs> that, yeah, that is that is an ongoing issue for me. But um, I have a dog sitter that takes them quite a bit, but I'm actually um, probably getting a roommate just so I have somebody here when I'm not so that my dogs have some consistent um human interaction when on they're older so yeah it, it always works it stresses me out when i'm gone i understand can you at least do a bit of uh facetime with the dogs does that ever happen <laughs> <laughs> uh she, she sends me photos and videos and stuff yeah 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 oh that's lovely that's lovely so tell us um laura about your schooling and career his, his, history i think the, the listeners are going to be quite intrigued how you ended up doing what you're doing but was travel always a feature with you Yeah. I mean, I always have loved traveling. Who doesn't? Um, But I think, you know, I was really lucky I had parents that traveled. And so my love for travel was instilled with me in me at a really early age. Um, Mm. I grew up, you know, doing family vacations to Mexico. And um, my parents took me to Venezuela when I was younger, which is sounds kind of crazy now because Mm -hmm. people don't really go to Venezuela. No, absolutely. Um, And and I started studying Spanish when I was 11. So I was pretty young for um, start like studying Spanish and I loved it so much. I just continued studying all the way through college and I ended up with a Spanish degree kind of by accident. Mm. Um, and then when I was in college, I had this desire to kind of go see something different. And so it was my dream to study abroad in Spain. So I did that and it kind of just reinforced like that this was in some way what I was meant to do. Um, and then after graduation, I went back to um, Spain and I got my TEFL certification so I could teach English. Mm -hmm. I lived in Madrid for a while. Um, And it really like at that time made me want to travel and live abroad. Um, But I came back home after that and, you know, post-college started a job in higher education 
I really didn't think I was going to stick around. Um, I wanted to, I know at that time I wanted to move to New York City or live somewhere else abroad, but I ended up meeting my now ex-husband. So um, I stuck around here for a while and I kind of later on ends up being part of my story and what inspired me to start my business. Um, But I ended up at a college for 14 years. So I worked Mm. in higher education. I taught, I was in administration. I got my master's. I was kind of on that career path. Um, And then last fall in 2021, I decided to quit and start my business. So in the meantime, I got a divorce in 2017. And I guess that's kind of where things shifted for me. And like many people, when I got married, I kind of found I had like lost myself. I wasn't as adventurous. I wasn't traveling like I used Mm. to. Um, You know, when I went on vacation, I just go to Mexico every year because it was easy. Mm. But that really isn't like who I am. And so I remember like right before I ended my marriage in 2016, I woke up in the middle of the night and it was like 2 a.m. I bought tickets to see Adele, who was going to be playing in Barcelona. And I I didn't have like a trip planned. I just bought the concert tickets. And the next (laughs) day I went to work and asked my boss if I could have the time off and she approved it. So I planned like this whole trip to Spain to go back, see this concert. Ironically, it ended up being that Adele actually had a US tour. Um, She launched the next week and I could have seen her an hour and a half away. But um, I went to Spain nonetheless. (laughs) And like that, that trip was kind of, um, even though I had lived there and I'd been there before, it just kind of got me back to like, okay, this is, I'm lost. This is where I need to go back to. And so um, it kind of gave me the courage to leave a situation that was making me really unhappy. Mm. And so I made it my goal after I got divorced to just prioritize travel as much as possible. And um, yeah, like see as much of the world as I could. Mm. It's amazing. It strikes me because a a number of episodes ago, I I did a an episode with a, a guy called Greg Abandoned and uh, he basically explores abandoned places. And he went through something quite big in his own personal life. And that's when he said he found himself and he discovered this love of, you know, exploring abandoned places. And it, that's what I hear with you, you know, obviously you went through uh, sort of a tumultuous time in your personal life. And then obviously you kind of thought, well, what, what is it that I want to do? What makes me happy? And that was real travel, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And it's amazing that you, you've, you've been able to, incorporate that into your life so with by the way with the spanish i'm assuming you're totally fluent then right yeah yep um i mean it it comes and goes depending how often i'm traveling and what country i'm in but um spain is definitely like the dialect i understand the most in mexican but um colombia actually has a really easy accent to understand yes yeah pretty much i can pretty much get by um but i i definitely need practice and that's why i like going to spanish-speaking countries yeah and with your tours like would you ever are they always in english or would you ever do Uh, them in spanish if that happened um you know i've considered doing like you know spanish immersion tours maybe in the future um Mm. i know when i did my first trip to mexico city last year uh we built in some spanish lessons and stuff like that and my guides are always local so you know no matter what country we're in People are definitely hearing the native language um, and learning a little bit. That's kind of a goal is to, you know, regardless of what language you speak, that you're mm. you're mm. learning, you're learning about the country you're in and you're at least attempting to um, speak some of the language. Yeah. Yeah. And just to clarify, so you said, you know, uh, the 14 years that you were teaching in a college, um, was that again in Madrid or was that back in the US? No, no, I was here in Wisconsin. Okay. Um, I was the yeah. uh, for eight, the last eight years, I was the director of uh, student services department. And then I taught English and Spanish on and off. So did various roles. But yeah, that was all here in 
Wisconsin. That's awesome. And you mentioned TEFL. That's T-E-F-L, wasn't it? Teaching English as a foreign language. Yeah. 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 What's the difference? Just on that point briefly, because I think there's TESOL, isn't there, and TEFL. So for for the travel lovers out there who might want to do, you know, all these group tours or just travel more and maybe they're taking inspiration from you, maybe that could be a route that they could go into, right? Yeah, TEFL is, um, I, from my experience, like probably the most common and easy way for English speakers to live and work abroad. So obviously, if you know English well and it's your native language, it's pretty easy to get certified and um, teachers are needed all over the world, um, virtually and in person. Um, I know a lot of people who've taught in Asia. Um, so yeah, it's a great way, especially like right when you're out of college and you don't really know what you want to do with your life. Mm. It's a great way to travel and also get paid. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And it's it's cool as well that you can do it even virtually. Uh, if you want that total digital nomad life, you can do it with it. So that's, uh, that's good to know. You mentioned as well, Laura, when you were younger with your parents, you went to Mexico and Venezuela as well. So would you say that one of those was like your first real trip that, you know, when the penny drops and you were like, wow, I absolutely love this. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, when you travel, when you're that young, you don't really fully appreciate Mm. everything that you're seeing. Um, but, and so, you know, and as a kid, like, you just think that's normal to have your parents taking you Mm. around the world and (laughs) it's not. (laughs) Um, so I would say it really was probably more when I was older, when I was, when I went to Spain, I think that's when, you know, I did it on my own, obviously Mm. it was study abroad. So Mm -hmm. you're kind of with a group, but, you know, living with a host family and really like going there on my own and doing everything on my own. That's when I realized like I was very, very interested in seeing more places. Mm. I think when I lived in Spain, we, that first time around, um, we went to five other countries in Europe. So um, I just realized like, okay, there's so much more to this world and there's more of the world than Europe too, um, which I talk about quite a bit, you know, with, with how I pick destinations, but um, yeah, it just opened my eyes to like that th- there's a lot more beyond the United States. Yes, absolutely. And uh, yeah, we'll have to get onto that point as well about how you choose your destination. So in terms of, I mean, you so you said you started this, it was last fall. Is that correct? When you fully went yeah. in? Yeah. So how, um, so last fall, we're talking, what are we now? I always lose track of time because of COVID, uh, 2021. <laughs> yeah. It's hard yeah. sometimes to rem- remember the year, isn't it? I can, I can sometimes remember the I day of the week it. better than the year. I don't know why, but <laughs> Now, when I think of like, when people say something happened like four years ago, I'm like, was it four years? And I'm like, oh wait, there's that two year period that exactly. nobody counts. Yeah. It's like you were just sleeping in a coma and you were like, you know, woken up and you're like two years older. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's a time I'd love to forget. I know. I know. But in terms of, so you started last fall. So when and how were you actually able to create this following big enough to realize, hey, like I can actually start my own group trips because you know, you said to us a few minutes ago, you quit your your job fully and you're thinking, right, I'm going to go all in. You had that stuff going on in your personal life and boom. So, I mean, that's a big, big thing to do. Um, how did you realize, what was it that actually happened to make you realize, hey, I can actually do this now. I can start my own group trips. Yeah. I mean, some of it was just kind of um, being a little crazy. Not that I didn't think about it, but I realized like, you know, you kind of just have to go all in. And so I also, you know, I didn't really have a following when I decided to quit my job. Um, Mm. my Instagram was private up until a little over a year ago. I think I had 300 followers on my Instagram and they were all my, my family and friends. And so, you know, building a following was never my mission. Um, I'm actually like not a big social media person, but I kind of have to be with my business. Um, but my, my first group trip, which I, I, 
opened that up when I was still fully employed. Um, it was four friends who I will be forever grateful to because they trusted me without me really having any professional experience in doing this. Um, but I had that first trip, trip like planned when I quit my job. But I really just went off the fact that I love to travel and so many people were interested in what I was doing. I would take, you know, while I was fully employed, I was that person, anyone who knows me knows I was that person that used every single vacation, personal holiday <laughs> to travel. And mm. so I would take these seven to 10 day trips to random places people usually had never heard of. Um, and I'd post in my stories on social media so they could just follow along. And I'd get home and get so many people telling me that they were like living vicariously through me or that I just had like a really unique of new unique way of storytelling through travel. And mm. that I made them want to go to these places they'd really never heard of before. And they wish they could do the things that I do. And I'm like, well, you can. Um, and so a lot of people would tell me that they didn't have people to travel with or maybe they're married, but their significant other wasn't interested in traveling or their friends couldn't get the time off of work or, you know, maybe their family was judging them for spending money on travel or they're mm. afraid to go alone, you know, all of the excuses that we all have. Mm. Um, and I had all of those frustrations myself when I decided to start my business. Um, and I, prior to starting it, I had planned a trip to Columbia um, last March. So in 2021, the pandemic was still kind of in full swing at that mm -hmm, time. There mm -hmm. People weren't traveling, um, but I was still kind of traveling through the whole pandemic in any country where I could get in. <laughs> and we were just starting to get vaccines at the time. Um, people were giving me a really hard time, though, about going alone to a place like Columbia. And mm -hmm. it started to kind of make me nervous, too, because, um, you know, I remember Googling like safety for women in Columbia and it, it started like other people kind of got in my head and made me nervous about going alone. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to find somebody to go with me. And I found a girl I'd been chatting with on a Facebook group. She told me she wanted to go somewhere. And I'm like, well, I'm finding this Columbia trip if you want to go. And she's like, well, I don't know where that is, but I'll go with you. Mm. So, you know, you got to gotta love the blind faith of somebody you don't know on the internet. <laughs> um, so she came with me. We we met for the first time on our trip. Um, we went to four cities. I planned the whole thing. And it was such an amazing trip. Um, she's a photographer, so she helped me That's document awesome. the trip. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now we've like really come full circle because she's heading back to Columbia with me next week on my group trip as my photographer. Um, so she's still traveling with me and now she's part of my business. So, you know, that trip really made me realize like I could do this. I had so many people interested in going to Columbia by the time I got home who mm. knew nothing about it before the trip, you know, and I didn't have the following, but I had the confidence that like, if I believed in this, other people would eventually too. Mm. I love it. Really, really like that. And we'll come on to that as well. I definitely have to ask you about Colombia. Um, it's funny, you mentioned you yeah, were there in sure. 2021 March. Yeah, I was actually there in 2020 March, which, so I got caught oh, in, nice. the, in, in the country. Uh, oh, I, I can yeah. tell you off air because it, it, the story would take hours. But um, yeah, I was out there during the, at the very beginning of the pandemic and uh, my flight got yeah. cancelled, locked down. I think they locked down even before yep. the UK did. And I was just there in a country like Colombia on my own. I mean, yeah. I, I was there, I met people there that I became friendly friendly with, obviously, but um, it's, it was, it was bonkers. It was completely crazy. Um, yeah. So, so many people have those like on their way to, on a, on a vacation in March of 2020, I was on my way to Cuba mm. and I got, I got stuck in Miami and still haven't made it to Cuba. So that's on my list. Yeah. Yeah. No, Cuba is apparently an amazing place. So it's still, it's still a place I've got to do actually. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to happen at some point. So with your, with your tours, uh, Laura, um, is it, cause obviously people could be listening to all this. And they could be thinking, well, hang on a second, who's actually for? I mean, 
Is it just for single women? Could it be a single guy? What about even a married couple? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I have never specified that my trips are just for women, but I think there is a perception that they are. And that's probably Mm. because you'll see a lot of photos of women traveling with me, but that's um, actually just because initially that's who signed up. But my trips are actually co-ed. Um, they are for really anyone. Um, you don't have to be single. You can. I have a couple coming on my next trip together. Um, so it can be for married people who are coming together or maybe just one of them wants to come because the other one doesn't want to travel. Um, I've gone back and forth a lot about this, about you know, should my trips only be for women since women are the ones that keep signing up. But I also think there's a lot, there already are a lot of travel companies out there direct or specifically for women. Mm. And there aren't as many like smaller companies that are also for men. And men certainly want to travel too and have some of the same, you know, concerns as women. So mm. Mm. but I also realized there's a segment of women out there who only want to travel with other women for various reasons. So mm. Mm. as I expand my goal in the future, as I continue to offer more trips is to have some that are specifically women's only and some that are specifically co-ed yeah. and then people can decide which one they want to sign up for. So they kind of know upfront whether they're going to be with the opposite gender or just women. Yeah. I think that's um, a great my, idea actually. Yeah. My Columbia trip next week is actually my first like fully co-ed trip. So I'm really excited for it. We have almost an even mix of men and women. Like I said, we have a couple. Um, so I'm excited to see how it goes. We had um, a girl's trip, to Vancouver earlier this month. And that one was awesome as well with just women. So I can really see the benefit and importance of having both options. Yes, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a really, really good approach that you're, that you're taking there. And a few minutes ago as well, you touched on this um, about, you know, how you choose your destination. So again, like why your trips, if I can ask you like directly, why, why choose, you know, Laura Erickson group tours? I mean, how do you choose your destinations and, and what makes yours different from other group tours? Yeah. Well, as far as my destinations, you know, I really try to pick off the beaten path places that don't get as much tourism, but I feel deserve it just as much, if not more. Um, it's not uncommon when I tell people where I'm going next, they'll be like, what's in Turkey? Or like, why would you go to Colombia? Or mm. where is Morocco? Like, And that to me tells me I'm kind of on the right track. So like, for example, with Turkey, a lot of people think that Turkey sounds scary. Mm. Um, And and yet most people have their sights set on Greece, but they're right next to each other. They have so much in common and some of the landscape is identical, but Mm. um, Turkey is a magical country. It has so much to offer. Um, A lot of the places, like I said, look similar to Greece. It has far less tourism, so it's not as touristy, but it just doesn't get the positive press like Greece does. So it just doesn't ever top anyone's list. And I feel like it should. So um, same for Mexico City. Like, I think I've seen a peak in tourism there recently, despite it, you know, being one of the largest cities in the world, it sometimes gets a bad reputation. And I think people are starting to realize that there's more to Mexico than just Cancun and beach <laughs> resorts. <laughs> so it's amazing to see like that trending upwards since um, I started going there um, a couple of years ago. So my goal is really to bring awareness to some of these less popular places and maybe places with sometimes even a reputation for being dangerous like Columbia. Mm. Um, and then I go, I go there myself. I show people what it's like and then hopefully get more people to come back with me or at a minimum, at least like have people consider adding it to their own list for the future. I've had people tell me like, I'm now going to this place because I saw you went there. So like, thank you for showing me that, you know, it's a place I want to travel to. Mm. And that's no, so um, really, really awesome. And, and I mean, what sort of research would you do then? So you mentioned, for example, Colombia or somewhere else that's off the beaten uh, path. 
what re- mm-hmm. research would you do before obviously going and taking people? Because, you know, jokes aside, there can be very dangerous countries or, or countries yeah. that have dangerous parts. So, you know, you, obviously it, it, research needs to be done uh, to not find yourself yeah. in those places. Right. Tons of research. Um, and that kind of like answer is segues into your other question, which is like, why my trips are different. You know, I, I do focus on these off the beaten path, you know, culturally immersive experiences mm. and they're curated and designed from scratch by me. So I scout every destination personally before I will ever sell a trip because I want to make sure that every experience that's included in that trip is the best it can possibly be. And I continue to refine those trips every time I, I offer them. So, you know, people will ask me like, well, when are we going to go here? Why can't I go to Japan with you? And it's like, well, I haven't, we can go, but I haven't been there yet. So mm-hmm. um, otherwise, like, why would I sell a trip to a place I've never been myself? And I can't really even, you know, speak to, I don't have any expertise there. So for example, with Columbia, I um, did all the research long before the trip, you know, figured out where we wanted to go, um, hired local guides that I wanted to meet with. And then when I came back, I built the trip with one of the guides that um, we had while we were there. And I made sure that we're having some really authentic experiences while we're in Colombia instead of just hitting like the touristy hotspots. Like, for example, people always ask me, well, why are you not going to Cartagena? Mm. Cartagena is great, but I think it's also a very touristy city. I don't find it to be like as authentic as some of the other places in Colombia. And I think it's more important to spend your time in one area instead of just hitting, you know, checking things off your list, essentially. Mm. Um, So like in Colombia, we'll be visiting a local coffee farm Um, in Guatape. You get to pick your own coffee beans. You get to see the entire process of how coffee is made firsthand Mm. by a local farmer. And so I just think it gives people a very authentic experience. And to me, like that's kind of what travel is all about. Um, and then, you know, when I'm there next week, so we're leaving in about a week, um, I'm still going to be doing some additional things in my free time to continue researching, um, those areas. So I'll be doing like a cooking class with locals. I won't be doing it with my group, but I'm, I'm doing it so that when I offer my next trip in February, I might add that in. Um, I'm also going to be adding like a volunteering day to my next trip, which I'm really excited about. Um, so that's something I'm trying to build into every trip going forward is I think it's like really important to give back to other countries, mm. not only with our tourism money, but also with our time. Yes. Yeah. Um, to, to leave a place better than we found it in some way or, you know, yeah. sometimes people travel thinking, what can I get? But it's nice to go somewhere and just, just be friendly to the locals, you know, um, give them a story because yeah, the they locals- might not be able to afford to travel themselves in certain places, but you could bring a bit of your world to them and who knows, sit down, have a coffee with them and, and light up their day as well. Exactly. And they are so appreciative. Everyone has been so kind everywhere I've gone. They're so welcoming. Um, I've, I've just haven't had, you know, those bad experiences that you hear about on the internet and not that bad things can't happen. And I do do my research ahead of time to, um, make sure that everyone who comes with me is prepared for like what could happen in a specific country. Like I know I just had my orientation for Columbia last week with my group and I told them, like, here's certain things that you might encounter in Colombia that you won't encounter other places. And here's how you need to behave mm. and, and plan accordingly for that. So a lot of it is just trying to, like, ward off some of those things from even happening to begin with. Yeah, yeah, with good research. So, Laura, I mean, do you think you're going to get to – this is a bit of a far-reaching question, uh, which has just come to me, really. But, I mean, do you think you'll get to a point as you continue with this uh, this business of yours where – for example, you've built up sort of a repertoire, you know, so you've done Colombia, you know, you mentioned how someone wanted to go to Japan, but you haven't done that yet. But let's say eventually you do get to go to Japan after you've done the research and you find that it really works well. And then, you know, you've kind of 
curate, cur- uh, curated this beautiful Colombia trip, for example, and one in Italy and one in the Dolomites and one here and one there. Do you think you'll get to a point where even in five, 10 years from now, you think, you know what, I've got a really amazing repertoire and I'm just going to go back and do the same tours that I've done with other people? Or do you f- feel like you, you continually want to make new tours for, you, for your own benefit as well? Um, I think both, you know, like next year, like I'm already repeating my Mexico city trip. Cause that one went great. Um, I already have another Columbia trip planned for February. Um, but like, for example, I don't have Turkey planned again yet. So I think it's a combination. If something goes off really well and, um, a lot of people express interest in going again, I will definitely keep offering them. So, um, but I also at the same time want to keep exploring myself and mm-hmm. there's lots of places that people have asked me if I can plan trips to. So, um, I'm working on that right now. Like once I get through, um, October, I will have some, a few months for scouting. And so I'm already kind of figuring out where my next ones will be. So it'll be a combination of repeating the same trips plus adding new ones and kind of seeing what, what goes really well and what are my favorite ones and what, what, you know, makes it worthwhile for people to keep going to. Yeah. That's awesome. And if someone is thinking, okay, so I'd like to potentially do one of these uh, trips with, with Laura, how does it work with the pricing? I mean, is it per trip? Is it per person? Is it per week? How, how does that actually work? Yeah, it's, it's per person. So each person pays individually for their trip. Every trip is different in terms of, you know, the time and what's included and the pricing depends on obviously what we're doing and where we're going, but it generally includes everything. I tell people from like the time I pick you up at the airport to the time we drop you off at the end of the trip, minus a few meals, because I like to give people free time to explore. So I don't plan out your entire day from sun up, sundown. I mm-hmm. want people to have some freedom. Um, but it includes all the planned activities, which every day there's at least one. Um, there's a local guide coming with you the entire time I'm on the trip. Um, there's transportation. So we usually have a professional driver taking us around um, accommodations are included and then all of the the prep that goes into a trip. And so when I say prep, you know, that's not just creating an itinerary and, you know, taking people on a trip. It's making sure each person feels prepared. Um, I'm in touch with them every step of the way from when they book to when they go. We do an orientation call. Um, they get to meet the group that they're going to be traveling with, mm. go through all their questions. So, you know, there's just, there's so much that goes into traveling internationally, especially now with COVID because everything changes so constantly. And so my role in all of this is to not only create the trip and design it, but to support people kind of every step of the way and make sure that they're feeling comfortable and confident in traveling, whether that, you know, it's their first time traveling or they're an experienced traveler. Things go wrong when traveling. I mean, it just is bound to happen. Mm -hmm. And so it's my job to be there to help people figure it out. Yeah. That makes sense. So imagine that someone expresses interest in one of your trips. So at what point would you kind of give them the the itinerary, so to speak, or say, right, these are the amount of people that are coming so far? Um, you know, how does that work? Like, is, is each trip's itinerary fixed, like right from the outset? Or is there some kind of scope for the individuals to maybe offer a suggestion during or even before the trip? How does that work? Yeah, usually the basic itinerary is set. I have a website, it has the itinerary listed on it. And so when I launch a trip, it's kind of already set in stone. But again, I do allow that free time built into the trip. So if there's things that um, we're not doing that they want to do, they can either do it during their free time. Or for example, if somebody wants to go to Cartagena and we're not going there, I tell them, you know, well, if you want to come a couple of days early or stay a couple of days late, then you can add that onto your trip. Um, but I find that a lot of people actually like sticking with the group in their free time, which I was surprised by. Mm. Um, There's just like far less branching off than I would have anticipated. But 
I think they just like, you know, they make friends. They like being with the other people in the group. And I mean, I guess it makes sense because that's essentially why they're signing up for a group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But if people do make suggestions, you know, if it's something we can fit in, great. Otherwise, I'll either add it to our list for like free time options or like I said, I might I might look at it as an option for the next time around. So maybe I miss something and I can go explore that and see if it's something that we'd want to add in for the next group. But You know, I try to add in a few surprises here and there, but overall I do try to stick to the itinerary just because, you know, people are paying for a specific yes. experience. And so I don't want to be like, oh, well, now we're not going there anymore. Yeah, no, it sometimes, makes sense. Um, but at the same time, you know, I I personally as a traveler love spontaneity. I'm not a, you know, itinerary person, no. surprisingly, um, but with a group, it's so much harder to, you can't just wing it. Um, but I'm certainly down for random adventures and I try to take advantage of that whenever possible. So you know, when I'm on my own trips, like I crashed a quinceanera in Bogota and a Kurdish wedding in Turkey. And those <laughs> unexpected moments are, those are like the best things when traveling. So I do try to like encourage people to explore and obviously being safe, um, you know, go out and, and do some of the unplanned things yes. and see kind of what happens. Yeah. Because I imagine sometimes you have to improvise anyway, right? Like you could, yeah. despite the best planning, you know, on day yep. six, we're going to go here and I don't know, some crazy thing happens. It could even be inclement weather and it's cancelled. And then suddenly yep. you've got half a day. So is that where you sit down for a coffee, chat with all the group and say, hey, guys, like, wh- where should we go? What should we do? Has that happened before? Yeah, actually, it just happened to me on my last trip. Um, and even like with my current, my upcoming trip to Columbia, I had to switch a few things around just because um, we were going to go like salsa dancing on a Sunday. And I planned this nine months ago. And then now my guide's like, well, we can't go salsa dancing on Sunday. So I'm like, okay, well, then we're gonna have to switch some things around. But um, on my Vancouver trip, Vancouver, Canada, I just got back a few weeks ago. Um, I was most excited. And I'm guessing most people were also to go whale watching. I'd never been like formally whale watching. I've seen whales, but it was a whole day like whale watching experience, um, which is obviously contingent upon weather. I didn't plan for it to get canceled, but I woke up at like 6 a.m. and I got a text saying it had been canceled. And I was mm. like, oh no. <laughs> um, and I didn't. I didn't really have a backup plan, but I did have an activity that I really wanted to do with the group and I had to cut it out of the itinerary. And some people were actually bummed that it got cut out. So um, I like really quickly kind of punted and bought some tickets to go do that instead. And it ended up being totally fine. I mean, we're all bummed that we didn't get to go whale watching, but I think everyone understood like I can't control the weather. So we still had a great day. We got to do something that um, we otherwise wouldn't have been able to do. But yeah, you just kind of have to think on your feet because things just don't always go as planned. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's good that you can be flexible enough and experienced enough to, to, to do that as well. And in terms of the group that comes together, uh, Laura, is there like, um, is there a group size limit? Like what's the smallest that the group could be and what's the upper end? Um, you know, it depends on the trip. The smallest I've had is four, although I wouldn't normally have like a four person group. That was just my first one, but I would say average size is 10 people. Um, my Columbia trip is 10 people. I think that's a great size. I think my Morocco trips are 15. Mm. I would not want to go any bigger than that. Um, just because I like keeping it kind of small and intimate. And I think that's how people build really good friendships and Mm. relationships, but, you know, kind of builds this sense of community in our group. Um, for me, it's less about like making money by adding more spots and more about preserving the experience of the trip and making sure it feels very intimate. Um, so that's really like an ongoing process for me is making sure that I'm, I'm keeping this feeling authentic, even though you're with a large group. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of, um, the, the, the group trips that you do, you said earlier in a podcast that you're away 25% or up to 50% of the year it could be, which would be a very busy year. Um, 
But in terms of, you know, the quantity, how many group trips are you actually operating per year? And is it year round or, or is it seasonal? Um, it's year round. You know, I'm I'm new. I'm just wrapping up my first official year this mm. fall. Mm. Um, so in my first year, I did four. Um, so far for the next upcoming year, I have four planned and I'm continuing to add those on for the second half of 2023. So um, they'll definitely be year round. My goal is to kind of have an option out there for everybody because people will like different things. They can travel for different amounts of time. Some people even don't want to leave the U.S. So I'm exploring maybe doing like an Arizona hiking retreat and adding some things within the U.S. that are a little bit shorter. So um, I know I have a lot of friends that are parents and they're like, I just can't leave my kids for 10 days. So, or mm. I can't get that much time off of work. So I'm trying to expand my options um, and hopefully have something for everyone. Yeah. On that point, actually, I, I didn't ask that. So obviously I asked about, you know, can it be, uh, is it just uh, women? And you said, no, it can be co-ed and then couples and so on. I'm assuming kids is, is not included, right? Like, is it like sort of a certain age and above, like 18 and above or like, how does that work? Yeah, it's 18 plus. I have had people ask if they can bring their kids and the answer is unfortunately no. Um, yeah, no I, I have that. also had people people ask, you know, can I do like a family trip? And I'm like, well, if you can find some more families, I can take you all on a group trip together. But yeah, that's not really my demographic. Um, mm. I don't have kids myself for a reason. So <laughs> kids are great, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think that would completely that would completely change the experience for people. Who oh, massively. Kids. Yeah, no, massively. And but, what's, yeah, so what, eight, what's the upper end plus. as well? I mean, like, because obviously... Like, what's your oldest guest to date? Because, you know, someone uh, could be, who knows, 65, 75, 80. They could be quite nimble on their feet. But obviously, I mean, (laughs) how does that work? Because if you have got some elderly people there, and there are some elderly people I know who absolutely love traveling still, um, which is amazing. I think it's so beautiful when you see an older person and they're still putting themselves out there to travel across the world. I think it's absolutely, Mm -hmm. I've got so much, so much respect for people like that. I really do, Laura. And, but at the same time, they, they are older. And, you know, they could have maybe certain health issues or, or or you might be limited. You know, you might want to do a big trek one day, but obviously they're, they're 80 and, and the other group, the the others in a group are 30 or 40. So how does that work? Yeah, that is something I'm continuing to work on. Um, the oldest I have had so far is, um, like fifties, mid fifties. And even then I would say there's, you know, a little bit of a difference between someone in their thirties and someone in their fifties, but Mm. overall everyone's gotten along really, really well. Um, but again, as I continue to kind of refine and expand these trips, I'm going to try to make them more targeted. So I might do a 50 plus trip. I've been talking about doing that. So um, that, that people who are, um, you know, over 50 get to travel with people who are over 50. Cause just like people in their thirties might not want to travel with someone in their fifties, someone in their fifties might not want to travel with someone in their thirties. So it goes both ways. Um, I have, I actually recently taught a class at our senior center with a bunch of retirees and, you know, I've talked to them about doing trips specifically for them so that it's built around what they want to do and see, you know, keep, not making it overly active where they can't keep up. Um, and they were very interested in that too. So um, currently they are open, but I do try to kind of gear people to um, certain trips, you know, if they have health concerns or maybe I've had people with like a back problem and they're like, I just don't think I can keep up with all of these rigorous activities. So I might encourage them to go on a different one that I offer that maybe isn't so active. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And out of all of the trips that you've done so far, could you tell us, I don't know, some of the most memorable trips as a whole and just some of the most crazy things that have actually happened so far on the trips? And that could be like a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're all, mem- I hate saying that they're all memorable in a different way, but they really are. You know, I did 
My first one was Mexico City last fall, and we went for Day of the Dead. I had been to Mexico City before, but I had not been for Day of the Dead. So a lot of the things that we were doing, um, I had done before. But specifically, Day of the Dead and all the celebrations around that, I had not done. And so um, being there for Day of the Dead was pretty magical and hard to top and not the same as going any other time of year. We ended up um, spending Day of the Dead going to a cemetery. We got to see how they celebrate the lives of their loved ones. And I don't know, it's just, I always say it's like super hard for me to put the, that moment in words for me, but I, I had just quit my job the week prior. So I was already very stressed and my grandmother just passed away a few mm-hmm. days before I left. And so I had to miss her funeral in order to be Oof. with my group in Mexico, oh, wow. yeah. um, which was kind of an impossible choice. But my grandmother also loved to travel. And so mm. I spent the night of her funeral at a cemetery on Day of the Dead in Mexico City. And it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, this is where I'm meant to be. My grandma would be so proud of me for what I'm doing right now. But Mexico City Day of the Dead was definitely a memorable one. I'm offering that one again this fall. That one filled up like in January this year for mm for this fall. So that one's super popular. And then um, another moment that actually was really cool in my Turkey trip, we went to Antalya, which is um, on the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. And we were going on a Jeep safari in the mountains. And this is one of the only things on the itinerary that I hadn't done before. And that always makes me nervous because if I haven't done it before, then I'm like, is this going to be lame? Like, is this too touristy? And so it actually ended up being seriously one of the most fun days of my life. Um, We ended up going on this like Jeep safari tour with a bunch of people from Iran, Iraq, um, Ireland. And it turned out to be this like day long adult water fight in the mountains of Turkey. <laughs> um, <laughs> like the women who, you know, typically in their cultures are more reserved. They're wearing headscarves. Like they were literally letting their hair down, going full blown water fight mode. Um, and it was just such an amazing day. We had so much fun. We all came home soaking wet but I was like, this is this is the mo- the point in the trip I was most worried about, and it ended up being one of the coolest things I've ever done while traveling. Mm, mm. Based on what you said as well, there was just a, a couple of questions, a bit sort of like almost co- uh, uh, like as a, co- a corollary, so to speak, um, that just sort of came to me. Um, but obviously, when people are booking a trip, I mean, you mentioned how you lost your your grandma, unfortunately. Um, obviously, when people are booking a group trip with an individual you know, things can happen, you know, so, you know, something mm-hmm. else could happen in, in, in your life where you literally have to cancel last minute. I mean, it, what, what would happen in a, in a situation like that? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, life happens. Um, I, first of all, always tell people to consider getting travel insurance when mm-hmm. they book, mm-hmm. I don't make them do it, but I explain to them kind of upfront, you know, just, just as like, they don't want to be out their money. I don't want to be out mine. And half the time I'm giving this money to hotels and, and vendors and um, the tour guide far in advance. So I can't get it back either. And so um, I encourage people to get travel insurance just because that will often cover if you do like cancel for any reason coverage, it, it gives you some options when something happens. But aside from that, you know, if something happens, I I'm, I'm human and reasonable. And so while I can't give people their money back, I usually do tell them like if they could try to find somebody to take their spot, or I will obviously post about it and see if someone can take their spot, then I can work with them on it, but yeah, it's, it's unfortunately like stuff like that does happen. And that's where I think travel insurance is definitely the best, yeah. the best way to go. You know, a few years ago, I never would have gotten travel insurance and now I always get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And obviously even if something happened with you, then, you know, it, they're, they're all insured and you could, I suppose, worst case scenario, just reschedule the trip. Couldn't you? Um, in, in, in that situation. Right, yeah. 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 
The second question I had as well, bit of a weird one, but you mentioned, um, for example, like Day of the Dead and so on, and it just a thought that crossed my mind. You could have uh, a certain itinerary where you want to visit, I don't know, like the architecture of a beautiful mosque or a cathedral and so on. And, you know, people could have a different religious background. Um, Has it ever been the case where someone might want to come along on a trip, but for whatever reason, they don't want to visit a mosque or a cathedral or this or that, um, and they just want to sit out on that bit? I mean, just a, a question that came to me. Um, it hasn't happened. However, I do tell them, um, when we do our orientation, uh, if there's any part of the trip that they don't want to do for any reason, they're not required. Um, I just ask that they let me know so that I'm aware of what's going on or, you know, it, the only thing I tell them is if we're moving from city to city, then mm. obviously they need to be, <laughs> need to be on, in the van or on the plane at the, at the right um, time, or, yeah. <laughs> or we have to leave you behind, unfortunately. But, um, like for example, I know in Mexico city, there's one individual that doesn't want to go on the hot air balloon ride. Like that's totally fine. Mm. Or, um, we're going paragliding in Colombia, which I'm very excited about, but maybe someone's afraid to do that. That's totally fine. I, I encourage people to stretch themselves, you know, get beyond the fears because I'm scared of heights, but I'm never going to force somebody to do something they're not comfortable with. And if somebody wants to sit something out or they don't want to eat something or, yeah. you know, for whatever reason, they don't want to do it. It's not required. Yeah, that's cool. And on that point as well, has, uh, has anyone ever been left behind because they weren't on time somewhere and had to sort of link up in the next city or? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had that happen to me when I studied abroad. So that's why yeah. I think of it. I, I, I overslept one day, me oh, and a, a friend, we obviously done. had been, um, been having fun the night before and they left us behind. So I've been there, but, um, no, luckily that hasn't happened. I've had somebody like oversleep and maybe miss out on an activity, but, um, and I've had somebody miss their flight, but I haven't had anybody where we, we've had to leave them behind from city to city, knock on wood. Cause, um, we have that coming up next week. Yeah. And talking about that trip as well. So it's Colombia you, you're, you're going to be going to. So yeah, tell us about that example of this upcoming trip, because I think you mentioned that you're not going to go to Cartagena um, yeah. on, on the Caribbean coast, but which cities will you go? Yeah. So we're really sticking around in the Antioquia region. So that's the main coffee region in mm. the mountains. Um, like Medellin and that kind green. of area. Yeah. Yeah. So we started Medellin. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing things like exploring Comuna Trece and learning some history, seeing like the graffiti. We're going paragliding. Wow. We do ATVing in the mountains. Mm. Um, we're taking a salsa dancing class. We're awesome. getting to go to all the restaurants and explore the nightlife in the city. And then after that, we head to Guatape, which is a small city surrounded by water. We're going to be um, climbing up Piedra del Pañol, and that's like 700 steps up to the top. And you mm. just get to see this like phenomenal view mm. once you get up there. Mm. And then after that, we're visiting a coffee farm, like I mentioned, which is kind of the highlight of the trip, in my opinion. Um, the coffee farm is just so, so cool. Mm. And then um, lastly, we head over to Hardeen, and we're going to be doing things like horseback riding. We're visiting a waterfall. Uh, we'll be having lunch on a farm with a farmer and then we'll be doing some bird watching. So I feel like this trip has a really good mix of like the big city stuff in Medellin, but then it also has all the nature. It's very active. So I'm really excited to share it with my group and see how they, how they love Colombia. Yeah, that sounds absolutely beautiful. And I'm a little bit jealous as well because Guatape, I mean, when I, when I was in Colombia, basically everything was just shut down. And I was in yeah. Cali uh, and it was already in full swing. Things started getting shut down. And then I flew to Medellin with about seven people on the flight, I'm not exaggerating. And I got there and uh, it was just weird. It was like going into ghost town. Guatape was, yeah. everything was closed. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, there was a, a few things happening. I think from what I remember, it was like by six o'clock. I think they were doing times or like you got given oh, a yeah. number. 
I think you got given a number. Uh, yeah, or is it guy men only? Or I don't know if they did it by sex or by number. I can't actually remember. I'd have to ask. But by at certain times and certain days, you're allowed out, and in other days, another person is allowed out. And it was a bit, yeah, it was just weird. So, <laughs> I uh, yeah, oh I'm slightly gosh. jealous. It sounds amazing. Uh, and how long is that going to be as well? That one is eight days, I think. Okay, that's absolutely amazing. Well, I'm definitely going to be. Uh, keeping a close eye to see uh, how that one goes. It sounds absolutely awesome. And of course that'll be posted on your Instagram. Um, and yep, I mean, do yep, you post, post during a trip or after? How does that work as well? I, I do. I, um, I like to make things hard on myself. So I post every day and I oh, try wow. to keep up every, yeah. every day with, with what we've done only because one, people want to know what we're doing, but also like by the time I get home, I'm so bogged down with everything. I, yeah. you know, I'm behind on, I never, can get caught up and like finish posting. So I stay up really, really late every night usually and uh, make sure that I am posting at least, you know, I think quite a few highlights of, of every single day so people can follow along and see what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, people can, I, I post a lot on my stories versus I do post, but I do a lot of stories. So people yeah. have to watch my stories to kind of see what we're doing. That is a lot of work. I really admire that. That's a, that's really, really awesome. So yeah, Laura, where can people find you and your work? Um, so my website is lauraerickson.com. There is no K in Erickson. I always have to tell people that because I think there's a Laura Erickson with a K and she's some kind of professional bird watcher. That's not me. <laughs> um, so it's E-R-I-C-S-O-N. Um, so that's my website. Pretty easy to find. And then on Instagram, my name is Lola Whiskey. Um, otherwise you can just look up Laura Erickson group trips and you should be able to find me there too. Fantastic. Well, I really wish you all the best with this uh, Columbia trip and hopefully uh, it's going to go amazing. I'm definitely going to be keeping a, a close eye on what you do. Um, and yeah, I'll be, I'll be living vicariously through, uh, through you as well for the Columbia trip that I never did. So <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be absolutely awesome. February. Yeah. Yeah. You said it. So in February, you're going to be doing essentially much of the same, isn't it? Right. But, but you might add a few yeah, things on. Um, yep. Yep. I think I'm going to be switching a couple of things up, but, um, I will post, I'm going to be opening that up in mid September for February. So anyone who is interested, um, can get on my email list and I will post about the next Columbia trip that's coming soon. Awesome. Well, Laura, thanks so much for your time. I really, really enjoyed our chat together and uh, I do wish you and your work every success. Thanks. Thanks for having me. My guest today was Laura Erickson from Laura Erickson Group Trips. If you or anyone you know is wanting to get away on a group trip, be sure to send them this podcast and direct them to Laura's website. Well, could be an upcoming trip that tickles their fancy. Well, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please do share it with a family member or friend who you think would get something out of it. And if you haven't done so already, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And don't forget to follow and hit the bell notification there if you haven't done so already. My name is Nate Ralph, and you've been listening to The Inquisitive Tourist.